this program to bring you a special report. Welcome back to South of the Eight. Hope everyone's having a great Valentine's Day weekend. Hope you've confessed your love to your crush or that you're treating your partner like they deserve. Not just today, but all year round. Anyway, that said, um, we are approaching April, which is going to be a one year anniversary of this podcast. And I will admit, I know lately the uploads have been a little spotty and I have a perfect reason. You ready for it? Life happens. <laughs> no, honestly, what can I say? Um, I wish I was able to be more consistent. It's just that a lot of things have been happening. And, you know, sometimes there's some stuff that goes to the back burner. Doesn't mean you don't care. Doesn't mean you don't want to do it. It's just some things take priority. And I think that, you know, that's pretty much how we live our life, you know, pushing priorities forward and pushing some back and just being able to be okay with that. So, and listen, this isn't me complaining. This isn't me just giving excuses. Uh, just want you to know that you're not the only one. I'm sure some of you are going through something similar, whether it is, whether it is with uh, work or school or family. You know, sometimes we like, we'd love to put things as a priority, but sometimes we can't. And let me tell you that those that love you will understand. Anyway, today we have a great episode. Today we have Jake Gata. He actually, the way I found, um, found this guy is through TikTok. His content usually revolves around housing and urban development. And it's actually super interesting because it explains sort of the roots of freeways and certain laws that sort of prevent proper housing for lower income communities. It's super interesting. Um, when I found it, um, it's one of those things where you just keep going down the list, you know, through the series that he has. Anyway, I'll let him talk more about it. Uh, it's super interesting talk because we also get into the reason how housing can be the symptom for a lot of things or sort of the cause of a lot of problems that lower income communities may have. And not just lower income, just communities in general. You know, cars are an epidemic, freeways are an epidemic. But anyway, that's enough for an intro. Hope you guys enjoy your weekend and here's the episode. Hey, Jake, how you doing, man? Thanks for thanks for coming on. Of course, I'm doing great. How about you? Pretty good. Can you go ahead and introduce yourself for the South of the A people? Uh, yeah, of course. So I'm uh, from San Diego. I was born and raised here um, in North County. And uh, I went to school up at UC Santa Barbara, graduated last spring uh, with a degree in political science. Great. Actually, um, so to that, uh, the way I got to know who you were was because of TikTok. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about your journey of what drove you into, you know, getting on the app and things like that, especially for people our age, you know, they say sometimes, oh, you might be too old, but especially with the pandemic, man, I'm all in on TikTok. It's a great platform and I just can't wait to see what it becomes, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, you know, just kind of jumped on it because it was a new app. I wasn't really expecting um, any sort of anything to come from it. Um, and I'm just kind of making my own little videos and I, was just sort of walking around my neighborhood yeah. and I was like, you know, I'm looking around and I see the situation that I'm living in. And, you know, a lot of that thanks to my parents and I'm noticing that, um, this is kind of a unique situation that like, you know, the way we built just sort of our neighborhoods in general. Mm -hmm. And I just made a, a quick little video talking about that and it, you know, got way more notoriety than I was expecting even just like a thousand views was like whoa some people are actually interested and so i just started making some more videos about what i know about 
kind of the housing situation and the way California cities are set up. And that just, you know, one thing just led to another on that. Yeah, no, it's great. Like I said, I found you through them and I just, I watched one and I watched another and I just kept going down. I'm like, this is great content, especially when it's in the context of like your own neighborhood. You know, a lot of times you read about these kind of issues, especially housing issues, gentrification issues, but it's not until you see the picture or you see the video of your neighborhood and you're like, ah, shit, I knew that was a problem. You know, it's, it's almost a meme when they say, oh, there's that gentrification building, but it's a thing because it's, um, there's so many issues that come whether it be with like urbanization or how even they all started. Like the one that really got my attention was a freeway one. Freeways for me, you know, especially growing up in Southern San Diego, it was so easy for me to just move back and forth, whether it was for work or family that I never really considered any negatives from them, you know, Mm -hmm. but seeing those videos, it's like, ah, shit. Yeah, no, it makes sense. You know, and you kind of start putting the dots together. Well, I appreciate that. And that was kind of, you know, my thought process was like, I've talked about, you know, the housing situation to some extent, I went over single family zoning and some of the things that, that created and why that exists. And then, you know, when I'm making that video, I'm thinking the thing, you know, what services this dynamic, what creates this sort of separation between, you know, where the jobs are, where the people live and all that. And it's because of freeways, it, the freeways are what let people, you know, live in one place, drive all the way somewhere else for their job somewhere else for you know to go out at night and stuff like that um and so really the point of that video was just trying to show um how something that we're so used to in california something that we just take for granted isn't just the way it has to be you know this this sort of idea about everyone just lives out in their kind of surrounding area and drives down the freeway that's not the way it has to be and i wanted to kind of link the two things so that we could show you know and like you said show in kind of our own backyard you know this is what these things have created this these are the conditions that these things are forcing onto us yeah yeah and it's also sort of the symptoms that come after such like such big uh, urbanization like things like um the bad oxygen levels you know the clarity oxygen levels and all those sort of things Mm -hmm. but also the displacement of so many people i mean when you're creating things like a freeway or even a new mall right there's so many people being displaced that a lot of us may not consider you know because you're like oh hell yeah you know and a new five guys or great a new freeway you're adding a lane that's that's right less traffic but you're not considering everybody that that's being displaced because of that of course until it happens to you and you're like oh well fuck that freeway (laughs) you know so exactly it's good to have that sort of information, especially in a place that's so big like San Diego. I mean, it's, I mean, you're from North County and it's two different mm-hmm. worlds from North County to South Bay. And even in the middle, it's in the East too. Like it's huge. You know, we've, mm-hmm. we, well, I grew up in San Diego as well, but I'm sure our childhoods were very, very different. Even the, even though we were sort of in the same area. That's sort of what, inspired me to do all this is that, um, you know, I go to college and I lived in uh, Long Beach for two years going to Long Beach City College. Um, Just getting out of kind of this North County bubble that everyone in North County is in without really realizing it Mm -hmm. helped me understand how, you know, North County is different than a lot of other places in the world. And then that led me just down the path of like, why is it like that? You know, why is, why is, our society built so there's these nice little neighborhoods mm-hmm. in like the kind of suburban satellites and then like why are there bad neighborhoods at all yeah. and that's sort of that's sort of what you know 
me want to look at this in the first place and made me want to talk about it was just how is it, how is this okay as our as a society how are we just okay with this that you know some people are living in such terrible conditions and then other people just drive through those conditions on the way home to their you know little suburb yeah and so that sort of connection between all of it was what really stuck out to me you know, it's interesting you mention it because uh, we all have those sort of bubbles that we create for ourselves or that are created for us. You know, a lot of times growing up, I myself didn't go past the eight, right? North of the eight, unless I was going to LA, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? And even then, like, I remember crossing places like uh, Del Mar and things like that and thinking like, oh, this isn't San, San Diego anymore. This is something, right. you know, because I just couldn't, there's no way I could identify myself or my surroundings to that part of San Diego. It just looks so mm-hmm. different. It just looks like a whole different world. And I think those bubbles are, um, I mean, they're comfortable to say the least, but also a lot of times it takes a while for people to question their own bubbles. Cause they say, if I'm okay, you know, if I'm okay, if I'm surviving, why would I question anything or right. why would I fight against it? Right. And even more so it's, it's just kind of like a, a big, like meta conversation about all these different forces. And so, if you don't have just somewhat of the like basic education that some people are lucky enough to get, you know, I was, I was super lucky to get the education that I did even going into college. And some of the people that, you know, they don't get taught about redlining in the 1950s and stuff. They don't get taught about a lot of these, you know, kind of mundane, but super important things that, have created these conditions. I wanted to connect all of those things because you don't necessarily, like you said, you don't look at your neighborhood and think, you know, this neighborhood is this way because of, mm-hmm. you know, we built freeways and then we built this and that and these zoning laws, like all those things that a lot of people don't really even know much about. Mm-hmm. They're all like combining to create these conditions instead yeah. of it. You know, you can't just point to one thing and be like, that's why it has to be this sort of all encompassing understanding of the way we built this state. Yeah. And especially when you, cause a lot of us do have those ideas, right? We always say, well, ah, uh, it's this, or uh, it's only that if we could just get rid of this, or we could just get rid of the one thing. A lot of times people okay. consider the fact that there's multiple issues really in effect, you know, and sometimes even those issues are in, even considered issues. A lot of times when you see the quote unquote beautification of a place, people will say, well, like, Hey, at least it looks cleaner. At least there's nicer buildings. Right. And they're reading, look, there's a Starbucks. Look, there's more people jogging. And it's for a lot of us, we'll see those as symptoms of like, obviously gentrification and like people coming in, buying place and sort of displacing people. But a lot of people don't see that as an issue. So again, uh, it's so many things that are legal. I mean, they're completely allowed and, but they may be part of the problem as well. Absolutely. And it's a lot of problems that, you know, not just illegal, they're, they've been encouraged by yeah. federal programs, by state programs. The, the freeways were largely built with federal money. So that was, you know, Eisenhower and the, and the government in D.C. saying, hey, we're going to give you a ton of money to build these tools of segregation, in essence. And that just that sort of top down commitment to um the, the misurbanization that's the word I like to use kind of the misurbanization of our cities and especially yeah. these western cities that were really built after car culture had taken over yeah. um that that sort of thing it completely changed the dynamic of you know what we think of as a city and how we move around and all of that and that came from the federal government at the start it wasn't just something that that happened you know it was designed that way 
Yeah. And I mean, again, and this is more than just like the way the buildings are made. A lot of times it cuts into taxes for schools, uh, social programs, the way they're monitored via uh, local law enforcement, all those sort of things are things that sort of encircle those, uh, encircle the big issue of why those states play the, stay the way they stay or why there's no upward mobility, even though there's, uh, there's this idea that, you know, if you just pick yourself up from the bootstraps and, you know, maybe find a better place and you'll be better. And it's like, well, it's not just that. There's so many things keeping you down that it's hard to even carve your way up, you know? Right. I mean, one of the things that, um, you know, a lot of people who are kind of in the know and especially in California talk about is how much housing prices have increased. Yeah. Um, over the past 30 years, especially when you compare them to wages and to sort of all the other prices in, in um, you know, modern times, they haven't been just shooting up as astronomically as California housing prices have. And, you know, there's specific reasons why. And all the stuff that I was talking about in that um, series about zoning and about how single family housing creates that shortage. Like, again, that's something that, you know, you don't look around and say, well, all oh, these are all mansions. Why is it like you have to do a lot of sort of following the line yeah. to get to okay? Housing prices are insane because of all these things that happened over the past fifty years, a hundred years, you know, and how that really affects all of us, especially this younger generation that's going to have a lot harder time buying a house than our parents did. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's almost uh, it's almost been accepted that it's normal to go back home you know, after something like college or right. like that. And the idea that it's just socially acceptable. And a lot of times it goes into that like stereotype of millennials just wanting it easy and not doing anything for their own. It's like, no, we can't. We literally cannot afford the prices that are out there. You know, I'm, I came back home and I'm looking for a place to live. And the only thing I can think of is like, wow, like for, I, I moved out when I was 19. And at that time, even then, even four years ago, five years ago, um, I used to pay a thousand dollars for a one bedroom apartment, right? And it's a lot, but it, I could afford it, and it was no issue. Now I look for a one bedroom apartment; it's almost fifteen hundred dollars, and it's like, where did that go? Like, <laughs> I didn't. I my wage hasn't increased that much for it to happen, and obviously it doesn't match. And it it's really when you start to realize, like, ah, oh, man, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, what I'm running out of options, and it gets it gets really hard. You know, obviously more people want to live in California and Southern California specifically just based on the fact that there's so many people living here. Yeah. And so instead of, you know, it, we, we can't say like, okay, well hopefully less people will move here. And people should move out. Like, no, we just have to build enough housing to accommodate all the people. That's just yeah. the way it works. And yeah. it really does break down to sort of that fundamental of an issue. And is it, uh, would you say, is it an issue of like lack of land or is it just a prioritization of, making houses as opposed to if they don't make houses, then they can price them a little higher. Is that what it is? Well, right. And so, um, you know, that that's sort of what I've been talking about with like all these different forces that combine to make that. So mm -hmm. the fact that so much of San Diego, Los Angeles, San Francisco, like the three biggest cities in the state, the fact that so much of the area around the downtown center is, exclusively single family zoning yeah. so i i think it's i read somewhere i'd look up the stats but something like 75 percent of residential zoned land in los angeles county 
is only single family houses. So like it's illegal yeah. for a single family house land. And so, you know, just by nature of density, if you build a three level apartment building with, you know, three units on a plot of land instead of just one house, that's three housing units instead of just one. That's yeah. more housing. And yeah. so per square. that yeah. just extensive amount of you're only allowed to build one house on this plot of land. And by the way, that lot has to be a certain size. There has to be a certain amount of space between the houses. There has to be extra space for cars in front. There has to be, you know, extra space behind. Like there's all of these requirements that limit the amount of houses you can build on any given plot of land Yeah. to where it's not even like, we have plenty of land. There's, there's something like 40 million people that live in the the metropolitan area of Tokyo, you know, or like pick some other giant city, like the metropolitan area of New York, which has over 10 million people is, could fit like inside of Los Angeles County. It's not about like, we don't have enough land. We're just not utilizing our land space correctly because there's so much of our land in here in California that, you're not allowed to do anything except for build one house on like a quarter acre. Yeah. Well then that also adds to the issues of um, how people commute to and from work, right? A lot of times things like, obviously we have things like the trolley, which should make uh, commutes a lot easier for people of lower income. But even then, if you could just get your hands on a car, then you can drive right uh, 20, 30 miles North, East or South, and then find a job. But then that adds to the issue of like the need for freeways and things like that. But if we had, uh, like you said, like that more dense um, availability like they do in New York, people could walk to work. It'd be, it'd be a lot easier. It'd be, um, they'd even have local uh, transport to make it easier to get to work and things like that. But we just don't have that. We order, California almost loves the uh, sort of 20, 30, 40 minute commute. It's just normal at this point. We just sort of accepted it. Exactly. And, you know, like you said, and um, if anyone's, big on TikTok. I'm going to get to this, I promise. But the whole the whole transportation thing, that's why I went from housing to freeways and then yeah. hopefully in the future I'll get to public transit and what that could be, what it should be, honestly. Yeah. Um is because, you know, if you build a bunch of suburbs where there's only so many people allowed to live over this big massive space, right? Public transportation gets less effective the more spread out people are. Just right. inherently it's harder to build you know, a train route that is going to adequately serve enough people to make it, you know, feasible for the government to operate. If all the, you know, if there's only going to be 10 people getting on at one stop and then they have to try and build another route to another place, another place, the more spread out, the more sprawled your city is, the less effective public transit is just going to be by, by design. That's the way it works because for public transit to work, there has to be, you know, lots of people at point a and you move them to point b but the more spread out you are around that you know stop the harder the less people are going to walk to the public transit stop less people are going to try and take the bus just because it doesn't make sense like you said economically or or even just time wise to not just have your own car yeah and so when we build you know when we build cities around the expectation that everyone's going to have a car that's just the way it's going to end up we can't then you know expect people to take the bus or take public transit if that's not the way the city was designed 
yeah, it almost becomes in, uh, inconvenient, right, to try to find a bus stop or a route or anything that works. Because sure, maybe in theory you could get there, but would you rather drive for thirty minutes or take a three-hour bus ride? You know, it's 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 obvious. And right, yeah. And at this point, um, would you say we're too far gone that trying to switch it to the other side is too late, or is there methods or uh, concepts and ideas that could actually help us lean toward the right direction? Yeah, so there's definitely um, lots of solutions. And, and again, because there's so many different sort of problems that um, we'd have to tackle to go after this, because there's so many different things that work into creating these situations, there's a lot of different things that we need to do to fix them. And again, I'm, I promise I'm going to get to some answers. I've just been sort of on that series. I've just been talking about all the problems and not really saying, here's how we fix it. Of course. But the videos are only a minute long, so I'm kind of limited. I'll, I'll get there. Yeah. But it's going to take, so if we want to, if we want to fix our housing situation, one of the biggest things is that cities and the state at large can change a lot of these zoning laws that make it illegal to build housing in certain places. Mm-hmm. Right now in most of these North County neighborhoods, it's straight up illegal to build anything but a single family house. And then maybe one um, ADU now, which is uh you know, a detached unit that um, can be, you know, one extra person living on that plot. But, you know, I look around at some of these lots of land and you could fit, you know, a five unit apartment building where just one house is right now. And so changing those zoning laws and there's a lot of, yeah, yeah, right. There's a lot of um, different ways to do that, but you know, at the state level and at the local level, there's ways to change those zoning laws to where they're not going to just, so severely limit the supply of housing anymore. Actually, um, one of my videos is on Sacramento. They recently changed their zoning laws citywide to essentially allow um, up to five units on any piece of land. So in a lot of places, you know, you look at the zoning map from 10 years ago, most of the city is explicitly single family only zoning. And so you can only build one house on those plots of land. Now they changed that law to where you can build several you know you can build four or five units on that same plot of land and over the next 10 to 20 years that's going to just radically restructure the way sacramento is built and the amount of people that can live there the feasibility of public transit and so i just said one of the most important phrases over 10 to 20 years which means it's not an immediate fix (laughs) and there's there's definitely a lot of other things and again, I mean, not to play devil's advocate here, but this is a theory, right? We're hoping that in 10 and 12 years, we're seeing some kind of progress that we're seeing some kind of change because at any point it could take a left turn, you know, and, you know, somehow it gets corrupted and now we're in a bigger hole. But again, like you right. mentioned, this is a 10 to 12 ish, uh, 10 to 12 year solution that we're hoping goes the right way. And so, and the other thing is, I mean, there's immediate solutions to some of the issues. I talk about homelessness in, in the series a little bit, and homelessness is a result of these long-term things, the, the supply being so limited, prices being so high. Those are all things that created our homeless situation now. But to address it, it's going to take more than just building housing and hoping 10 years down the line there aren't more homeless people. You know, we have to go out and find find homeless people give them services give them a place to stay which by the way has been shown in a lot of studies to be the most effective way to help unhoused people is to you know give them a house to live in yeah but those sort of things like 
that's what I mean when I say there's a lot of different approaches that we have to take to fix these problems. Because yeah. building a bunch of changing the zoning laws and building a bunch of houses is hopefully going to prevent this situation from just repeating and circling back and creating more homeless people in the future. But it's not going to do anything to help the people who are currently unhoused, you know. And so that's one of the things where it's going to take more government intervention. There's a lot of um, interest in public housing again. And that's the sort of thing where the government can kind of bypass some of the red tape and some of the other obstacles to building housing and then offer those units at an affordable price, give a certain amount set aside for housing the unhoused, those sorts of things that are all important. But then at the end of the day, won't do anything long term about we just need to build way more housing and make it easier for people to build housing. And so that's that's sort of where there's like a disconnect between you know, some of the solutions and some of the issues, because, you know, you walk out into most of these cities nowadays, you see lots of homeless people in certain places. And the best way to help them is to, you know, personally help them and get them services and get them health care and get them housed. And then there's other things that we have to do to make sure that we don't keep creating more homeless people. Yeah. That's, I guess, I guess we circle back to what we were talking about earlier. There's is, there isn't a one scapegoat or one solution to all the issues, right? We have to sort of attack this problem from all different angles so that, so that like you mentioned, there's short-term answers, but also long-term solutions um, to everything that's going on. And even then, I mean, it's going to be a lot of trial and error because it's not just of how this, uh, let's say we have an idea we try to implement in San Diego. San Diego might be different from the way that Sacramento or LA or places like Tokyo or, or whatever might have functioned. So we have to take all of that into consideration. And that also, right. plus that's another thing that, yeah, sorry, I was just going to say, that's another thing that's important about how we address all these issues is it all has to be done sort of from the ground up. We can't mm-hmm. just have the state come into all these different cities and all these different neighborhoods and say, this is what's best for you. Right. Yeah. It has to all be done with neighborhood input, you know, with community input on what's best for their community because that's what caused the problems in the first place was the government, the federal government just saying, this is what we're doing. I don't care about yeah. how it affects these communities. And so the whole thing has to be done, you know, with the understanding that if we're going to fix these problems, we have to listen to what the people in Barrio Logan say, you know, what's their problems? How do they think we can fix it? How do the people who are living in, you know, Eastern Chula Vista differ from the needs of the people living in Western Chula Vista? Like there's all these different things. Right. It's a big, yeah. it makes a difference. And Huge so difference, yeah. we can't just go in and say, Oh, Chula Vista is Chula Vista. And so now you get this sort of answer to your problem. No, it has to be, what does the community need? Speaking, working with community leaders to find out what's the best way to tackle their problems yeah. and tackling statewide and citywide problems without, you know, just accepting the loss of certain communities and certain, you know, identities that people have grown and people have built up over the past 50, 100, or even more years. Yeah, like I think you hit it right on the dot there when, um, you know, it's all about, it's about being grassroots, right? Uh, starting with community leaders and making sure that they're not just comfortable with the decisions that are being made, but also input. Input is a huge deal. Every city has a different issue or even a different priority. Again, we could say that like homelessness is a, nation, a national problem. So is lack of housing and things like that. But hey, maybe this city has an even bigger problem that they're trying to tackle. And unless they can tackle that first, they can't really concentrate on anything else. And I think, like you mentioned, having that sort of overreaching arm of the government, just saying, this is what you're supposed to do because it's going to help. 
isn't going to help. But uh, but it is necessary to have sort of that backbone and that something to follow as far as like social social programs and things like that, which is hard. I mean, that's another thing that has to that differs a lot within programs uh, as far as like communities. A lot of times you'll see a community and you'll notice that, you know, like like type one schools. Uh, it's safe to say that type one schools or, you know, lower income schools have a lot of issues. And a lot of the time those issues can be because of lack of social programs that don't involve school, right? Whether it's the appropriate uh, nutrition or housing, right? It's hard, the kid probably isn't going to school because the family's just trying to find a place to live to begin with. And those are all right. sort of issues that maybe we're not addressing because we just think, oh, that kid just doesn't like school or that neighborhood is just, in, they just don't have any smart kids, you know? I and mean, it's a shitty way to put it, but that's, after a, a lot, especially when they focus so much on testing and all these very subjective things, it's like, you know, there's a bigger problem here. And I, I get that there isn't an easy answer, but we have to start seeing um, at the bigger picture, you know, even public health, things like that, you know, it's hard to go to school if your kid, you know, can't stop coughing. Right. And, and that's the other thing. That's, um, that's why these sort of housing and urban design aspects affect everything because like you said, if you're, if you're growing up with asthma, that's just right off the bat, kids that live in or around, you know, these freeway corridors and these pollution corridors that we've created are way more likely to have asthma and other health conditions. And just from the time they're born, they have expensive health conditions that they have to deal with, which is just going to impact them and their family's finances. And then being in the hospital, being in and out of healthcare all the time, affects, like you said, your ability to perform in school, your ability to just integrate socially and all these different things that can be created or that have been created to um, force these situations on these kids. That's what's causing, you know, bad schools. That's what's causing bad neighborhoods. There's nothing inherent about that piece of land, you know, in South Central LA that makes it a bad neighborhood. It's just because of the conditions that we created. And those have such far-reaching effects. It goes to everything, you know, your healthcare throughout your life, your education, your economic, out, you know, outcomes after, because all of that is a result of the same thing. And so that's why, that's where all of these sort of issues intersect and come back to the root of kind of our neighborhoods and what we're, you know, what situation we're growing up in. That's one of the things that people seem to sort of ignore. You know, it's easy to look at the other side and say, you know, the grass is greener on that over there or the other way around it's like oh look if they just tried harder <laughs> right um everything would be fine or just move out of there if it's so shitty just move out of there but it's not that simple again it's 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 more of a seeing it from the perspective of like how can we help or how can we make this different because one or two people getting away sure it's great i'm glad you made it but that doesn't solve the bigger issue which is um you know trying to have a whole generation accept uh, what the problem actually is and try to move forward with it you know right yeah i feel like especially um i mean we grew up with the internet and just the generations after us are just gonna they've lived in it they've thrived with it and all that sort of stuff and there's more information now than ever but that's also sort of dangerous you know because it's finding the right information or you know getting away from certain bubbles that might be hard for a lot of us but that said i feel i feel like there is sort of this uh um uh maybe this idea of people being a little more aware 
of their surroundings. And I'm glad they're being aware, but I'm hoping they realize that it's not just about being aware, but trying to act on it and trying to move forward and try to find solutions instead of being apathetic. And again, I don't think being apathetic was a choice. It was just, again, lack of information and, and resources, if anything. Right. Well, exactly. And that's, that's where the education, um, you know, goes into it. There's bad schools and bad neighborhoods and they don't get a good education. And then that doesn't lead to, you know, this sort of larger understanding of kind of the situation that we're all in and then a communal interest in building a better situation for everybody. Yeah. That's something that I want to change a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny you say that I was going to mention, you know, with your TikTok and things like that, finding your, uh, well, obviously, you know, the For You page is very tailored to you. The algorithm that TikTok has is insane. It's part of the good thing and part of the issue of the internet, right? That it's always very specific to what we like. That said, um, how is it that you found yourself knowing that there'd be a space for you in a place like TikTok? I mean, again, as someone that just views, because I don't post anything, but as someone that just takes in media from places like TikTok, I love finding those little rabbit holes, you know? You're either in like, arts and crafts TikTok or you're in politics TikTok and you're somehow I found myself right. in leftist TikTok. Right. And then like I like I said, like yeah, I found yours. At what point did you realize like, oh, there's an audience for what I want to talk about? Actually it was I, I made this one video um just on mixed use zoning and how it's not allowed in a lot of places. And um I went to this uh, shopping center by where I live. It's a brand new shopping center up here in North County. It's called One Paseo, if you've heard of it. Um, they have a bunch of new apartment buildings. And then right next to all the new apartment buildings, they have this little shopping center that's just a one-story mall. And it's got restaurants and stores and whatnot. And I made this video that just said, okay, look, there's houses over there, shops over there, and they're not allowed to be on top. You know, you can't build the houses on top of the shops because that's against the law. And just right off the bat, that, you know, means you have to take up twice as much space to build the same stuff as you could have by just putting one on top of the other. (laughs) And that video somehow, thanks to the algorithm, got like over 100,000 views. I think it's up to like 150 now when I had never gotten more than 1,000 on anything. And so that video just taking off for, you know, no apparent reason to me made me think, okay, if I sort of go into more detail about this, some people might be interested. And it turns out that some people were, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, obviously the, uh, the public, I mean, the audience is there. Like I said, when I kept finding videos like yours and your videos, I kept thinking, this is fucking awesome, you know? Cause this is the sort of stuff I'd love to see, you know? I mean, I love the memes, don't get me wrong. Um, I'm, a little, I'm a little over the dances, but <laughs> you know, there's so much, <laughs> it's just as big as the YouTube, is obviously not bigger now. You know, especially when the content is a minute long, you have the ability bit, uh, you're able to consume a lot more of it, right? If I go on YouTube, watch two to three videos that are 10 minutes long, and I'm like, holy shit, I've been on YouTube forever. But if I go on TikTok, I'm scrolling, right. you know, I'm scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. So the amount of TikToks, also the type of content that I'm consuming may not be the same as when I started, you know, earlier that hour. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's crazy to think how good that algorithm is to sort of pick up things and just drop them in front of someone and you know but it's great i mean the audience is there people want to know and like i said especially one of the things that brought me in was because the first video i saw of yours was the uh, one you did in little italy you know we're talking about freeways and how right uh, how many families were displaced italian families were displaced from the initial freeways that were made in downtown 
And just seeing, honestly, I mean, I love the content, but just seeing San Diego, I was like, oh, shit, this is dope. Because <laughs> it's stuff I wanted to hear about, mm-hmm. but it's mm-hmm. also my hometown. So it's like, this is awesome, you know? And I just can't, again, you start falling in these rabbit holes. So, yeah, man, kudos to your content. It's it's really good. It's uh, it's engaging and it's very well, thank educational. You. Yeah, for sure. That's one of the other um, really great yeah. things about TikTok, I think, is just, um, I mean, first off, it's it's really easy and useful to use. I can put, you know, a lot of information in this little one minute video because of all the tools they have to, you know, show pictures, show links, yeah. put, you know, my subtitles on there. All of that is really user friendly and that's great. The other thing, the minute only format kind of forces you to pack the best information into just that little one minute video. You know, I can't do, I can't explain everything about the history of American housing and urban design in a one minute video, but I can tell you, look at this freeway. This is what happened when they built this freeway. And that's why you should care about this sort of stuff. And apparently that, you know, that really visceral, like, oh, I'm looking at exactly what the problem is, sort of interaction that resonated with a lot of people that to say uh, also it sort of starts a conversation because you're like holy shit like i didn't know that you know so then i'm swiping right and i'm like all right what else does he have to say or i'm like hey let me look some of this shit up because i had no idea you know again it just sort of it sparks it you know and it kind of again you start asking questions and i think that's what it always comes down to you mentioned it earlier it's about that education and education sometimes it always has that sort of stigma of it being boring you know you know, at least when I remember growing up, I was like, wow, this is this fucking sucks. <laughs> I right. love education now. Like, I love learning now. I love reading because I'm do- reading and learning about things I want to learn about, you know, things I find interesting. And sometimes, I mean, not to, to not, not any discredit to teachers. Teachers are amazing and they do whatever they can. But, you know, when you have 20, 30 kids, sometimes it's hard to have everybody as engaged as you wish they could, you know. So... It's, right. It's good to have and that sort of like that's another thing. issue that goes back to that. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's another issue that goes back to the whole, you know, root issue that we're talking about. Like if you go to a bad school and, you know, it's more of a disciplinary situation, it's, it's like a prison instead of like, you know, show up excited to learn just right off, you know, from the time you're six years old, you're going to be taught and it's going to be pounded into your head that going to school and learning is, you know, an uncomfortable situation it's bad it's dangerous it's likely to get you in trouble with the law and stuff just because those are all the things that happen at bad schools and so then you go through life without that sort of you know hunger to learn necessary or it's harder to acquire I should say it's harder to grow up in those sort of situations and have the same just sort of you know natural desire to go learn and go look for more especially if you're too preoccupied with fucking surviving to spend a bunch <laughs> yeah not even day, at a bunch of your point. day on google like looking up all these different things yeah. right yeah yeah I was gonna say, that's not even an exaggeration that is exactly what it is i mean the amount of people that um because i remember that's, when i talked to people outside of like southern san diego as far as the school um i would mention things like having a policeman at school i guess as if it was completely normal you know, we'd have a lot of North County people, mm-hmm. people from outside of San Diego say, like, no, that's not normal. <laughs> I'm like, really? You guys didn't have, um, you know, metal detectors in the entrance? What do you mean? <laughs> you know, and it's like, it's, again, getting outside of those bubbles that you're like, holy shit. Like, yeah, we are different. Right. Things are so different out there. And, and a lot of times you question, 
why but you're just kind of like well maybe just that's just the way things are you know but again it's hitting that rabbit hole of like oh wow this is there's obviously a lot of prejudice and there's a lot of i guess governmental assistance and the way things were back then like yeah. what people could get away with and to this day a lot of that stuff is still so ingrained in our society that it's like no it shouldn't be any different you know keep it the same way and it's like fuck you know it's, and it's up uphill know. Water, really. one of the one of my favorite comments that i get a lot of on those videos about freeways is uh so what are we going to do tear them down like <laughs> yes and then and then that starts that literally kick starts the conversation of in these people's minds like okay wait so what what would that mean you know why are you saying that we can just tear down these freeways in certain places and it's not going to just you know that's not going to be the destruction of society humanity existed for thousands of years before anybody invented freeways and we were totally fine and there's a lot of negative externalities that we're learning about now so maybe our you know 100-ish year experiment with big roadways it's time to end we shouldn't just hang on to that yeah. desperately like it's some you know super important part of american life the, <laughs> that's something well, that they kind of pounded into our heads that doesn't have to be true <laughs> well even just like here in san diego i mean those are here for huge for us but i remember we had a i had a friend from missouri that came to san diego you know and he was like wow you guys fucking love freeways especially moving up to la like he did he was like oh my god it's terrifying <laughs> and it's like huh i never mm -hmm. considered that like part of my driving test was the freeway like it's just it's normal but it goes to show mm -hmm. that they're not necessary it's just so ingrained to our lives it, it's not necessary right. and it's not like again like you mentioned society is not going to fall it's not going to be the downfall of society we just have to learn to adjust and there's so many other options like you mentioned like trains and things like that that could help like it's not like it's going to limit our traveling we there's just alternatives Yes. My sister's actually in Sweden right now, and okay. she got off the plane in Stockholm, got on a train, went to a different city, got on another train to an apartment. Like her, her whole experience over there has been car-free because they built the cities in a way where you can get around without using yeah. a car. Yeah, and it's yeah. like that—that that is just so foreign to us, especially over here on the West Coast. But that's just a fact of life in a lot of other places. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. what we should be, that's what we should be, you know, aiming for. That's what we should be trying to get to. And again, I, I haven't gotten there yet, but there's a lot of, you know, other cities that I want to spotlight around the world that show us what we could be, show us, you know, what we should be shooting for. And even beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. Like you mentioned, uh, you know, just because we're not used to it and it, it's going to take a while, you know, uh, just trying to convince people that this is an option is, you know, people love what they have and they just don't want to change. They love their routine. And, that's the way they want things to be. So that's one of the uphill battles that we have to fight against. It's like the norm, social norms, you know, and like the status quo. Because anytime you try to disrupt mm -hmm. the status quo, there's going to be people that are doubtful. And on the extreme, there's going to be people like, actually, that's going to make shit worse. And it's like, then that sort of bleeds into the people yeah. that were just kind of doubtful. And now we have this array of opinions. And it's like, no, like, this isn't quote-unquote political this is just us trying to improve our surroundings and and it obviously ends up being right about the last thing that it's supposed to be about which is improvement you know mm -hmm. exactly and um you know that's that's one of the reasons why i'm pretty excited um the the mayor that the city of selected Concordia, he has yeah. been very vocal and very out, open about 
um, wanting to, you know, do things to change zoning laws, do things to help public transportation. Um, I think he's working with Sandag on a plan for, you know, 10 years that's going to just drastically improve public transportation, you know, put, put new bus lines in everywhere, expand the trolley, all that sort of stuff. And so, you know, hopefully when a lot of those things are implemented, people in San Diego are just going, hey, this is cool. Like having trolley access to different things. We like being able to walk around and go to stores without having to get in our car and drive. And that's one of the biggest things is, like you said, it's going to take time. But once we get the ball rolling, people are going to start to realize because, you know, everywhere I say this because everywhere that this happens, that's the way people react. They like it. You know, they don't they don't say, no, I want my cars. I don't want to live in a walkable city. They enjoy having walkability when it's allowed. And so we have to just make that possible. And then people are going to, you know, be living in that and realize, hey, this is this is pretty nice. Yeah. Well, also, like we mentioned, in a lot of places, things like cars are luxury, and because they are, you know, it's not just about, right, you have your average of whatever X amount of money to buy it, but your your maintenance and your yearly tags, and then your every two years you need a smog check and all these things, and mm-hmm. uh, recently I was talking to my girlfriend, she was having a little bit of issues with her car, you know, and to her, she's like, listen, if I can't get past this and I can't get my tags and that means I don't have a car that means I can't get to work that means I can't pay my rent and that means and I'm like holy shit it's so much reliance on a car that yes they're very convenient but they're also sort of part of our downfall because it's like we depend on them way too much because there's no way she could get to work exactly on the bus you know it's just not feasible so again yes we might have gotten a little comfortable but I think we got too comfortable and it's time to change definitely right and i mean think about it if if you're spending um 40 to 50 percent of your income on housing which is the way it is for most people in los angeles southern california there's way more than you know the like 30 percent or less which is sort of the accepted standard so if you're spending all that money on housing to begin with and then put on top of that you got a 200 dollars car payment every month it it, it just, I was just saying it all adds up the the you know the fact that we have to own a car we have to drive around pay for gas all that stuff that's just a bunch of added expenses on top of already too expensive living situation in California and so you know I um I think I read in a study uh, by UCLA they were talking about public transportation versus cars and they found that one of the biggest obstacles to economic advancement, you know, sort of moving up in that ladder that everyone talks about in America is transportation, is the ability to move and get to jobs. And, you know, if you don't have access to job markets and to, you know, the sort of parts of the city that you need without a car, that's just another obstacle to being integrated into society and to just being able to, you know, be a part of, of the economy and be a part of you know, making money for yourself and helping out your family, all that, like, that's all impeded by this car culture. Yeah, well, the, the, the good example of that is when a lot of people discuss things like um, the unemployment rate compared to the quote-unquote available jobs, right, the statistical availability of jobs. A lot of people say, well, why don't they know that make sense? Why is there so many unemployed versus so many jobs available? And it's like the one place people always love to go to is like, well, these people don't want to work. In my when I, it's always when I say with these people, it's always you know the minorities they just don't want to work. 
And it's like, well, right. fuck, man, like, there's a bigger issue here. These people can't get to those jobs. Or even worse, these people are not considered for these jobs. And and again, exactly. it's, it's it's always a, a bigger issue. And again, like you mentioned, it all comes back to housing and that sort of poverty tax, right? Right. And that's, that's you know, that's what really inspired me to try and make all these videos. One of them, or a couple of them, I talk about economic deserts and that you know basically yeah. the ghetto is just a massive desert where there's you know there's no jobs there's no stores there's nothing there except for just run down housing and freeways and yeah. so yeah. like you know like you said there's a ton of unemployed people in one part of the city and then oh there's but there's a bunch of jobs in west hollywood well great that doesn't help the people who can't <laughs> drive 45 minutes or an hour or two hours yeah. to west hollywood every day so it, it's that sort of thing that the you know transportation housing education all of those things combine into just one big force to create these massive economic deserts in the middle of our cities and that's just you know that's really sad that we've let that happen and just can you know act like that's the way it has to be yeah well you, like you mentioned those economic deserts that's also been sort of a lot of the roots for malnutrition in a lot of uh, places because people, it's not so much that they can't afford or they can't, don't know what to buy, right? Because we all know vegetables are good, quote unquote. Um, it's just that there isn't, they don't have a sprout. They don't have an Albertsons or like a, an affordable sprout, so like on a, an affordable form to get uh, organic meals, you know? And that's part of the issue because right. would you rather pay $2 for, uh, for a meal for McDonald's or pay $20 and drive all the way to the city next to you exactly and you can get the food it's like well fuck that i'm gonna get the mcdonald's and again and if you're working a bunch, and if you're working you know two jobs you work 68 70 hours a week you don't have time to go home and cook every night and so you exactly. just pick something up to take out and also like you said there's 50 mcdonald's on your drive to and from work but there's only one grocery store and it's the other direction so which one are you going to choose exactly Anyway, Jake, so much. Uh, thank you so much for the uh, conversation. That was great, man. Thanks for coming on. Absolutely, David. Thank you for having me. For sure, man. Uh, where can we look you up? Where can we find you? So we can keep hearing about this uh, this series you got going on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, um, on TikTok, uh, it's Jake Gata, just at Jake underscore Gata. Uh, my last name is spelled G-O-T-T-A. If uh, that was hard to figure out, it's an uncommon name so there shouldn't be too many of those out there um okay. same thing on instagram it's it's at jake underscore gata but uh that's just pictures of me and my dog so you know <laughs> if you're looking for housing content just stay on tiktok <laughs> uh, it's either housing or quality content that's that's all i'm getting <laughs> <laughs> all right exactly well, have a good rest of your weekend man and uh thanks again for coming on you too absolutely bye, bye. bye. thanks